Welcome back to another episode of Bible Prophecy for today. My name is Heather. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, so just just as I stated, does is the actions of the WEF, the UN, the global governments, the Zelenskys of the world, um, the Trudeaus, the Bidens, um, are all these people? Uh, and of course, you know the Klaus Schwabs and the Yuval Nararis and all the Hararis and all these people. Are they? literally preparing the way for the antichrist of course here's an article um titled uh, ruthlessness and socialism paving the way for the globalist coming prince of course this article is by terry james and it is in the harbingers daily.com that's one article i want to talk to you guys about uh this evening the other one of course, if it'll let me open it up here, <laughs> I got a lot of stuff going on here. So the other is the whole of government, <clears throat> EO begins. The FDA embraces transhumanist narrative on latest COVID shots. Guys, if you don't listen to uh, J.D. Farag, um, definitely, if you don't, I, I encourage you, because you might want to. I mean, it's a Bible prophecy update. He lives in Hawaii. Um, he is Arabic. I think he's from Lebanon originally. Um, but anyway, he's got a fascinating story, fascinating testimony. But um, anywho, if, if you don't listen to him, don't bother going to the YouTube channel because he's not going to show it all on YouTube. You're going to have to go to his website, jdfarag.org. That is jdfarag, F-A-R-A-G dot org. You're going to want to go there and listen to Sunday's update. It is eye-opening. And uh, it's a good thing he saves things, uh, screenshots them, downloads them, whatever. Um, like I have a download of uh, Charles when he was Prince Charles um, back in February at the COP26 meeting when he's talking about they're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to have a military style to marshal the forces of us little people, basically is what they're saying, uh, to bring us into compliance. And he will have a billions at his disposal. And I don't know if that was a slip of a tongue, if he didn't really mean to say that. But it's like more than the GDP of all the nations of the entire world combined um, at his disposal. So basically, they're paving the way. I think they want to do this. They want to bring about, because I'm no doubt some of them have read the Bible and so they're thinking instead of Jesus Christ, they're wanting to bring Satan. You know, that's what I'm thinking. The Antichrist, you know, they're, I mean, think about it. They're evil to the core. And this whole uh, vaccine thing is nothing but evil. And what they've done, people have lost their lives, children's babies, pregnant mothers and their babies. And, and, the, and people have got lifelong disabilities from this. Kids, 20-year-olds are dropping dead from heart attacks. Folks. Man, it's time to open up your eyes and, um, you know, get your head in the game. What else do we have? The WEF lessons learned in the COVID lockdowns will be applied to carbon, folks. Yes, it's coming. It's coming, guys. And some really good news I'm going to throw in the mix here. Has the red heifer been found? And if so, what's next? Guys, Ooh boy. This has biblical proportions people always ask about that and they always wonder like why is all this prophecy uh people's eschatology people who study the bible in the end times why we get so excited in september and rosh hashanah uh the feast of the trumpets and all this like why why because you know we always pray and hope that jesus will come back a lot of things in the bible point to this could be the time when he comes back and everything, you never know the day or the time or the hour. Nobody knows. Only God himself. Even Jesus doesn't know. That's absolutely correct. And we love it because Rosh Hashanah is three days long. So you don't know the day or the time or the hour. <laughs> but Jesus did tell us that we would not be caught off guard. That we would be aware. We would know us as believers who are looking for the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One good thing he always told us, too, is that, you know, the Apostle Paul told us as well, if you love the appearing, if you are looking and, and yearning for the glorious appearing of Jesus to come back and rapture his church, there is a special crown for that. There is a crown of righteousness for that right there, folks. So just remember that. But anyway, um, could it be this Rosh Hashanah? No. Could it be next year's Rosh Hashanah? Could it be. 
It might be. Who knows? Could it be tonight? It could be. Could it be 10 years from now? It could be that too. We don't know. We don't know. But we are always uh, to be watching for our Lord and Savior. And I'm going to read a little bit more on that too because in the end times, mockers and scoffers will come. Where is this coming? And they'll be making fun of us who are looking for him. And uh, the Bible has a lot to say about that. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. But the red heifer, folks, I think there's only seven of them found, even during the time when Israel was a nation. And it's, it's special significance. And I'm going to tell you why here shortly. And one other thing I want to talk about today, this is not a drill. This is an article by Hal Lindsey. And, of course, it is in howlindsay.com, howlindsay.com. We'll talk about that as well today. And then one more. This is the harbingersdaily.com, harbingersdaily.com. There is no new revelation what Jesus would say to the new apostolic reformation if it was here. So this is by uh, this is Bible Bites. So this is going to be interesting. This is posted the 13th of September. So until these new apostolic reformation people out there just know they are deceived, and they are deceiving other folks. So, I don't know, guys. Where should we start? Let's go to Breitbart. Let's start at old Breitbart here. Maybe if it'll let me. Having problems with that one. Let's see here. There we go. Okay, so uh, this is historic inflation, stifling taxation, are part of World Economic Forum's plan for the Great Reset. This is by Alex Marlowe. And you can find this at Breitbart.com, Breitbart.com. And there's a video uh, talking about this as well. And so this is actually by Alana Mastrangelo. Mastrangelo. Okay, we're not even, I'm not even going to attempt that. Not going to attempt that. Um, but and it says, by the way, if you want to go to one of these things, good luck getting there without a private plane. The editor-in-chief quipped. Marlowe went on to explain that the WEF achieves its power by appealing to the egos of the elite telling them you're saving the world and of course you'll be very powerful when you do save it and all the powerful people are already in on it and you don't want to be left behind kind of quirky how they use that but um so in order to target the middle class countries that have embraced the wef's vision suppress them with stifling taxation and socialism marlowe added they make it harder to traverse uh, from class to class they make it more difficult to stay in the middle class if you're already there because the tax burden falls so heavily on the middle class in what we refer to as western capitalist societies so i would say we're kind of inching towards socialism here he goes uh when you start thinking about how 75 percent of medical expenditures are now done by the government he goes on to say so it says, this keeps the middle class distracted and unable to compete on the global idea stage, Marlowe said. The breaking, uh, the breaking the news author added that these governments distract the poor with bread and circus, addictive screens, tech, and then you buy off the rest of them by printing money, keep them stuck on their phones and scrolling, not doing anything productive, not reading a book, not writing a book, not starting a business, not trying to get that job and working those extra hours to have the capital to start your business, he continued, adding that if anyone believes that isn't good enough, they'll, they'll cut you a little check. He goes, that's how they don't have any, that's why they don't have any opposition, or that's how they don't have any opposition. Marlowe said, before pointing to the recent Chinese coronavirus pandemic as a prime example, what happened during the pandemic, Marlowe asked, a lot of Netflix and chill, and then the bag of cash where you just look at your bank account, and if you're not in the middle or upper class, you got a pile of money in there. That This wasn't just the United States that did it, this was all over the world, he said. You were told you're not allowed to work. You're not allowed to advance yourself. You actually have to stay home while the people in Davos can congregate. And where do we find ourselves now? Historic inflation, Marlowe said. And what does the inflation do? It suppresses the growth of the lower and middle classes the most. They get hit the hardest as always. And this is part of the plan. It's already in motion. Guys, you can go watch that speech um they're on breitbart.com and uh definitely definitely go uh check alex marlowe's speech out on that because that's that's some good information and it's already happening it's already happening so there's no new revelation what did jesus say uh what would jesus say to the new apostolic reformation this is bible bites 
So we'll come back to that. So what I want to talk about really quick here, I'm going to scroll on over here, is the ruthlessness. So ruthlessness and socialism paving the way for the globalist coming prince. This is Terry James. It was posted in HarbingerStaley.com. So he says, Niccolo Di Bernardo de Machiavelli have often been called the father of modern political philosophy and political science. He was an Italian diplomat, politician, historian, philosopher, humanist, writer, playwright, and poet of the Renaissance period. He was often brought up uh, during my hours spent at university. Uh, he seems to me uh, to be both admired and disdained by the professors who stood before um, as, as lectures. He goes on to say it was a strange alchemy of thought that sometimes confused at least yours truly why the professors both lauded and lambasted the strange purveyor of political presumption. Always central to their lectures was Machiavelli's most famous work, written in 1513, The Prince. This is a brief treatise on how to acquire power, create a state, and keep it. The book represents Machiavelli's effort to provide a guide for political action based on the lessons of history and his own experience as a foreign secretary in Florence, Italy. Most of my professors, even during those days of the early 1960s, lectured from the socialist perspective. The lectures hadn't quite become the Marxist-oriented lives we hear being spewed out today, but the anti-America as founded propaganda was plenteous even back then. And he says, as he says, the professors seemed to admire this man and his work and detest him and his treaties at the same time. Almost always they blamed any political ideology that opposed the socialist view as being Machiavellian in its wickedness. Today, the political left, while not mentioning the Machiavellian model at all, totally embraces its methodologies. Probably the best way to characterize winning and sustaining power within the model presented by the prince is ends justify means. Machiavelli viewed injuring enemies as a necessity. He said if an injury is done to a man, it should be so severe that the prince should not be in fear of revenge. The prince must be absolutely ruthless in order to win and sustain his power. We see this Machiavellian principle in today's national and geo-global politics. Injury by use of forced compliance by the globalist cabal of the New World Order short is employed every minute of every day by those seeking to tear down national sovereignty. Compliance with global mandates, no matter who is hurt, is at the heart of the ruthlessness. They say they're determined to pare down the populations of humanity on the planet over which they intend to rule all, of course, for saving the planet. In preparation for the prince that shall come, can we discern the Machiavellian principle in play? He says, I believe the answer is more than obvious. Can you say Trump derangement syndrome in America and across the world, for that matter, the borders of nations are forced open by the globalist leaders, all of whom seem to be in lockstep? They open borders so that other people can flood through the openings. In America, they come by the hundreds of thousands, even millions, with most of the illegals unvaccinated, unchecked, as to criminal background. Even though there is pushback by some, the resistance is relatively small by comparison to the immensity of the problem of nations being overrun. This is because the world's mainstream media is a part of the collective globalist mindset. Their narrative, their full propaganda machinery engine is pushing the drive to bring about a new world order. Opposition and resistance to this movement are suppressed at every turn. Says This should be no surprise because everywhere we look, we see humanity going against the God of heaven and his directives for mankind. We don't have to be male or female as God brought us into this world. We can be whatsoever gender we choose. Man doesn't have to be joined to woman in sexual oneness. No, we can choose which sex to engage with uh, in such activity totally apart from the God of heaven. It is okay for children as young as two or three to begin the transition from their birth gender to whichever gender their parent says the child should become. This is pushed by media at every level now, every hour of every day. This is because they, the media, have as their supreme leader the prince of the power of the air. We understand this from the words of the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians, as quoted in here, Ephesians 2, chapter 
or chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 out of the KJV. And you have he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He dominates this the dissemination of the falsehoods we are incessantly bombarded with while the new world order is being prepared for the prince that shall come folks i talk about this a lot the power of the prince of video i talk about television remember i talk about this a lot anyway he continues but we who are in christ who were saved by belief in his death burial and resurrection have nothing to fear while we endure this demonic construction taking place he says satan's prince will be dealt with by another prince here is what God promises those who are in his eternal family. This is Daniel chapter 8, verses 24 and 25. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully, and shall prosper and practice, and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. And he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many he shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. Because on the day of truth, power resides with the king of all kings. Jesus is that prince, that coming king of Revelation 19.11. If you are not yet but want to be a member of that holy kingdom, here again is how. And I'm going to tell you guys how, if you are not saved, listen up. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 10. And that, it goes King James Version, says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with thy heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Folks, time is running out to make that decision now. You do not want to be left behind for this tribulation. If you see how bad the world is now, could you imagine? It's going to get a lot worse, a lot worse. So let's move along. So the whole of government, EO, begins. FDA embraces transhumanist narrative on latest COVID shots. Like I said, you're going to want to watch J.D. Farag's episode because he talks about this. And he brings it all up from like January of this year from what they said on their own web. And I have it saved, too. I actually did a program about it. I did an episode about it as well. I think I did a uh, YouTube video if it hadn't been struck down. But I did it as well from their own website, what they said. This is posted by Dr. Joseph Mercola. You can check it out at technocracy.news. The story at a glance. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration is now advertising the new COVID booster as an, quote, antibody update, unquote, to, quote, recharge your immunity unquote as if your immune system were a battery that needs recharging or your immunity a software system that requires gene therapy updates this is transhumanist lingo that has no bearing on real real world biology or physiology and proves the fda is on board with the transhumanist ideas of technocracy pushed by the global uh, globalist cabal so according uh, to a risk-benefit analysis looking at the impact of booster mandates for the university students between 22,000 and 30,000, previously uninfected adults aged 18 to 29 must be boosted with an mRNA vaccine to prevent one COVID-19 hospitalization. For each hospitalization prevented, the jab will cause 18 to 98 serious adverse events, including 1.723 booster-associated myocarditis cases in males. A small observatory study led by neurology researchers at the National Institute of Health found a variety of neuropathic symptoms occurring within three to four weeks of COVID injection. Neuropath Henry, uh, Henry Ely and two Oregon State Senators, Kim Thatcher and Dennis uh, Linthicum, are trying to compel the state court in Oregon to order the impaneling of a special grand jury to investigate criminal data fraud by the CDC. Man, I hope, I so hope they do. But listen to this, guys. Just when you thought the U.S. Food and Drug Administration couldn't possibly get it any worse, they prove you wrong. 
here are two recent COVID booster campaign messages tweeted out by the FDA. Quote, it's time to install that update. Hashtag update your antibodies with a new uh, hashtag COVID-19 booster, unquote. Quote, don't be shocked, explanation point. You can now hashtag recharge your immunity with an updated hashtag COVID-19 booster, unquote. FDA now pushes transhumanist pipe dream. That's right. The FDA now wants you to believe that your immune system is something that needs to be recharged as if it were a battery or updated with mRNA injections like a piece of software. This is transhumanist lingo that has no bearing on, of course, real-world biology or physiology and proves beyond doubt that the FDA is fully on board with the transhumanist ideas of technocracy pushed by the globalist cabal. The human body is basically viewed as nothing more than a biological platform equipped with genetic software that can be altered and updated at will. You guys remember when I, when I quoted Yuval Noah Harari, remember? I'm telling you. So the article continues, the problem, of course, is that your body doesn't work that way. You cannot turn your body into a, quote, bioreactor or an internal vaccine production facility and expect it to work as intended. The massive increase in disability and sudden death among COVID jab recipients is a testament to the fact that allowing big pharma to play God is a bad idea. Moving right along here, so I'm going to skip down a little bit. So false advertising. The Federal Trade Commission is responsible for for addressing fraudulent advertising. According to law, an ad must be, quote, truthful, not misleading, and when appropriate, backed by scientific evidence, unquote. The FDA itself also requires drug ads to be truthful, balanced, and accurately communicated. Balance refers to promotional materials that include efficacy and benefit claims, which must include a balance between benefit information and information about risks. Because in my view, the FDA's most recent COVID booster ads are clear examples of false advertising because, one, they're not truthful and accurate. There's no basis for the claim that your antibodies need to be updated with a drug or the claim that immunity must be recharged or at regular intervals. Number two. They're not backed by scientific evidence, as the FDA is a ignoring massive evidence of harm from the original shots. And B, the bivalent boosters are being released based on data from a few mice alone. The FDA is advertising the boosters for the prevention of disease, even though it has zero data to prove it prevents anything. They're not balanced, as the FDA fails to warn people about any of the many side effects reported to the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, or VAERS. Was no test drug approval the plan all along? Guys, hang on to your boots if you're still with me. Buckle up that seatbelt. You better sit down. Listen to this. Well, I cannot prove it, he says. I suspect that Operation Warp Speed, devised in the spring of 2020 by a dozen top officials from the then-President Trump's Health and Defense Departments to expedite the development of a COVID-19 vaccine may have been intended to normalize the approval of drugs without proper testing. Even if the normalization of expected drug approval wasn't originally intended, it certainly has been used and abused to that aim since. In June of 2022, the FDA quietly implemented a, quote, future framework, quote, scheme to speed up the delivery of COVID boosters. This is what allows for the authorization of reformulated COVID shots without, without human trials. Did you catch that? Did I say that clear enough? Without human trials. The FDA basically rewrote the rules on the fly, deciding that the mRNA gene therapies are equivalent to conventional influenza vaccines and can be updated and released with, without testing. The idea here is that the safety of the mRNA or COVID shots has already been proven by the original shots, which they claim have harmed or killed no one. Hence, safety is a given, and the effectiveness of reformulated boosters can be assessed simply by checking the antibody levels in a you know, few mice, which is what Pfizer and Moderna did. In reality, however, millions of people around the world have been harmed and killed by the original shots. The human trials for those shots were riddled with fraud. Antibody levels tell us nothing about the jab's ability to protect against infection. And the two technologies, conventional flu vaccines and mRNA gene therapy, have no common ground. And he says, 
I have no doubt this future framework will also over time be widened to include other vaccines and drugs that drug makers may want to tinker with. It may even lower standards for drug trials in general, which historically have required at least 10 years of multi-phase testing. The dangers of this trend really cannot be overstated. Analysis of the U.S. booster policy in a September 12, 22 article by Kaiser Health News raised several questions about the FDA's authorization of the new bivalent COVID boosters. Listen to the guys. In the real, this is quote, in the real world, are the Omicron-specific vaccines significantly more protective? And in what ways? than the original COVID vaccines so many have already taken. If so, who would benefit most from the new shots? Since the federal government is purchasing these new vaccines, is the $3.2 billion with a B is in boy dollar prize tag worth the unclear benefit? Uh, the FDA could have requested more clinical vaccine effectiveness data from Pfizer and Moderna before authorizing their updated Omicron BA.5 boosters, yet the FDA cannot weigh in on important follow-up questions. How much more effective are the updated boosters than vaccines already on the market? In which populations? And what increase in effectiveness is enough to merit an increase in price? A so-called cost-benefit analysis. Other countries, such as the UK, um, perform such an analysis before allowing new medicines onto the market to negotiate a fair national price. As population immunity builds up through vaccination and infections, it's unclear whether additional vaccine boosters, updated or not, would benefit all ages equally. The CDC's Advisory Community on Immunization Practices considered limiting the updated boosters to people 50 and up, but eventually decided that doing so would be too complicated. Shocking jab study decimates safety claims. So in related news, a shocking risk-benefit analysis looking at the impact of booster mandates for university students concluded that 22,000 to 30,000 previously unaffected adults for ages 18 to 29 must be boosted with an mRNA vaccine to prevent one COVID hospitalization. We talked about this earlier, right? So but listen, so for each hospitalization prevented, the jab will cause, will cause 18 to 98 serious adverse events including 1.723 booster-associated myocarditis cases in males and 1,373 to 3,234 cases of grade greater than three reactogenicity, which interferes with daily activities. That means mandating a third COVID shot for university students will result in a net expected harm. The authors also stress that given the high prevalence of post-infection immunity, the risk-benefit profile is even less favorable. The authors go on to state that university booster mandates are unethical because, number one, no formal risk-benefit analysis exists for this age group. Number two, vaccine mandates may result in a net expected harm to individual young people. Number three, mandates are not proportionate. Expected harms are not outweighed by public health benefit given the modest and transient effectiveness of vaccines against transmission. Goes on to talk a little bit more, but here we go. Government study reveals COVID jab problem. So a small observational study led by neurology researchers at the National Institute of Health also brings bad news, as they found a variety of neuropathic symptoms occurring within three to four weeks of the COVID injection. We studied 23 patients, 92% female, median age is 40. Uh, reported new neuropathic symptoms beginning within one month of the SARS-CoV-2 vaccination. 100% reported sensory symptoms um, comprising severe face and or limb parathesias, and 61% had orthostatus, heat intolerance, and palpitations. Biopsies from randomly selected five patients that were evaluated for immune complexes showed deposition of complement C4D in endothelial cells. Electro, electro-diagnostic test results were normal in 94% or 16 out of 17. Together, 52% or 12 out of 23 of patients had objective evidence of small fiber peripheral neuropathy. This observational study suggests that a variety of neuropathic symptoms may manifest after SARS-CoV-2 vaccinations and in some patients might be an immune-mediated response. So the FDA refuses... Folks, they re- still refuse to release key COVID jab safety analysis. It goes on to talk about in July 
of 2020 that they were ordered to have this done by I think September the 10th. Anyway, it goes on and on, and they've come another. The original, you know, attorney they've they've taken off of. Now they got two more on there. Well, she couldn't make it because her dog was sick. All kinds of insane, crazy stuff, right? So the CDC also refuses to release its safety analysis. So according to the Fair Standard Operating Procedure cited above, which I'm not going to read, but uh, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is also required to perform data mining analysis using proportional reporting uh, ratio. I've talked about this before. This is PRR data mining and yeah, I've talked about this a lot that they refuse right it's it's crazy we do have senators calling for a special grand jury of all of this uh, talking about according to the March 7 2022 petition filed in uh, Portland Oregon the 30 defendants manipulated statistics to create a significant hyperinflation of COVID-19 case hospitalization and death counts which in turn resulted in 3.5 trillion dollars in fraudulent taxpayer expenditures Defendants uh, go on to say that specifically named are former CDC Director Robert Redfield and current CDC Director Rochelle Walensky, uh, former Health and Human Service HHS uh, Secretary Alex Azar and HHS Director Xavier Becerra and National Center for Health Statistics Director Brian Moyer. He goes on to say, says, as explained by Ely in the video, of course, if you guys want to watch, says the defendants are given 60 days to reply to the March 7th petition. Of course, they didn't. And so here we are, folks. Uh, you can go on and read more of this, but it is, whew, it's, it's very disturbing to say the least. As you can, just by listening, it's like they're doing whatever that they want to do, basically. So WEF lessons learned in the COVID lockdowns will be applied to carbon. This is article um, is by Paul Joseph Watson and is via the Summit News. So technocrats who engineered the COVID pandemic or panic, I'm sorry, of 2020, took copious notes to discover how the same public manipulation might work for global warming and the war on carbon. Technocracy was originally uh, defined as the science of social engineering, and they have lived up to it ever since. Brainwashing under any other name is still brainwashing. <laughs> That's from technocracy.news' editor. So uh, here we go. That's probably Patrick Wood because he's one of the art, he's one of the big guys. There. So anyway, you can watch the video. It's on YouTube. It's called Brainwashing. I'm telling you, you're going to want to do it. Anyway, it says, an opinion piece published by the World Economic Forum lauds how billions of people complied with restrictions imposed as a result of lockdown, suggesting they would do the same under the guise of reducing carbon emissions. This article is titled, My Carbon an approach for inclusive and sustainable cities and was written by Muriel Kwasif uh, and Mission Director Smart Cities Mission Ministry of Housing and Urban Affairs of India. The subject of the piece is how to convince people to adopt quote personal carbon allowance programs unquote given that such schemes have so far been largely unsuccessful. However, Kwasif notes that improvements in tracking and surveillance technology are helping to overcome political resistance against such programs. Writing that COVID-19 was a test of social responsibility, Koshik commends how a huge number of unimaginable restrictions for public health were adopted by billions of citizens across the world. He says there were numerous examples globally of maintaining social distancing, wearing masks, mass vaccinations and acceptance of contract tracing i'm sorry contact tracing applications for public health which demonstrated the core of individual social responsibility he adds and here we have a fomo cap on twitter and he says the wef world map or roadmap i'm sorry it says they justify surveillance state relay uh covid or you know relay covid with blame on people and pseudo deductions like climate to produce political economical uh, turmoil and take over the weforum.org agenda uh, 2022 forward slash 09. You guys got to check that out. So it says, um, inciting how so many people complied with lockdown mandates despite overwhelming evidence of the harmful consequences such as uh, such restrictions had on society, Kushik implies that they'd behave in a similar obsequious matter in other areas of life. Obsequious matter in other areas of life. Sorry. Uh, 
that's not a word you see every day anyway he says uh, so such conformity would be encouraged via technology including artificial intelligence digitization and smart home devices he argues the article goes on to call for a social credit style carbon emissions rationing scheme that would provide quote individual advisories on lower carbon and ethical choices for consumption of products and services new social norms he says would also be created to define what a fair share of personal emissions represents and determine quote acceptable levels unquote of personal emissions and of course guys you you gotta check this out so he goes on to say we previously documented how technocrats are preparing quote mandatory unquote personal carbon allowances that would introduce rationing into every area of your life via an app that would record your travel heating expenses is in even the food you eat Guys, you can read the rest of that story at technocracy.news. Folks, go check it out. Like I've been telling you guys, I think they're getting ready. The feds and all this is going to go to a digital currency. And when that happens, you know, they can program that currency to what you can and cannot buy. Well, hi, Heather. I see you made, you know, $800 this week at your job. But, you know, it's not all your money. I mean, it's your money, but you're not going to be able to spend it the way you want to. You know, this isn't a free society. We gotta, we gotta do what's best for Mother Earth. You know, your carbon footprint is too big. You know, you drive that, that whatever, a big old pickup truck. You, that's, we just can't have that. So out of your eight hundred dollars, like I know gas is fifteen dollars a gallon, but you know, we're only gonna give you thirty, thirty dollars for gas. So you know, I hope you can uh, drive that, that big old pickup truck. You know, hope it gets really good gas mileage there, Heather. Oh, I, I see that you like steak and beef and, you know, all that good stuff. But, you know, that's not really good. We think you should eat crickets instead. So you're only going to get $5 uh, to spend on meat, you know. I understand that, you know, ground beef is, you know, $15 a pound now. But, you know, maybe you can save up for it. You know, maybe after a month of us giving you $5, you know, a week out of your pay, you might be able to get yourself a, a pound of ground beef. A month you know so you kind of see how they're going with that folks they're heading that way uber fast <laughs> great so we're gonna cut into the monotonous here and I'm gonna give you all some hope and some good news has the red heifer been found and if so what's next this article is at new antisemitism.com says fight the new anti-semitism this article is by Oliver Melnick and it was posted on my birthday yesterday, September the 19th. So, to say that we are living in exciting times is an understatement. World events are converging at such a high rate of speed that it is hard to keep up for Bible students like myself. It is both exhilarating and concerning to see the whole planet moving towards a one-world government so quickly. He says, I have been a believer for 39 years, and since then I have firmly believed in what the Bible says about the end times. He says, the one-world government and a cashless society. He says, but I always thought that it wouldn't be in my lifetime, and yet... Here we are. Oliver, I, I totally agree. I didn't think it would be in my lifetime either. I always wanted to go in the rapture, but I didn't think I would see this part of it. <laughs> and he goes, well, he goes on to say, The next event on God's timetable is the rapture of the believers from planet Earth. This is a signless event, meaning that, not, that it doesn't require anything before it takes place. He goes, he also believes that after the rapture, those left behind will go through increasingly perilous times known as the time of Jacob's trouble, or as most of us know it, the Great Tribulation. This will be a period lasting seven years before the triumphal return of Yeshua the Messiah at the end of those seven years. This is when the Messianic or the Millennial Kingdom will finally be inaugurated. He goes incredibly during the Great Tribulation or more precisely at the midpoint after three and a half years, the temple will be desecrated. But which temple? Not counting the wilderness tabernacle after the Exodus, there are four temples described in the Bible. He goes, first, we read about Solomon's temple, which is in the one that David wanted to build. And then in 1 Kings chapter 5 through 9, 2 Chronicles chapters 2 to 7. Then, after suffering some heavy damage at the hands of the Nebuchadnezzar, the temple was rebuilt by Zerubbabel between 520 and 515 B.C. And became, I don't say B.C.E., I don't say that crap, it's B.C., before Christ. Anyway, and uh, it became known as Herod's temple. And then Roman general Titus destroys Herodian temple in 70 they say CE. I don't say CE either. <laughs> I don't. I do not subscribe to that. I did the old way. Um, anyway, so it goes on. Uh, so Israel currently doesn't have a temple in Jerusalem. 
are things about to change. The Bible speaks of a third temple and a fourth temple or a millennial temple in Ezekiel 40 to 46. The third temple is a project that has been at the heart of the Temple Institute in Jerusalem for decades. So the section of religious Jews is convinced that they will be rebuilding their temple and once again resume the sacrificial system in Israel. Towards that end, they have painstakingly recreated all the implements necessary for the resumption of temple life. Everything has been ready for a while now. Even the priests from the tribe of Levi, remember that the tribe of Levi is the only one that can be identified since its identity um, was preserved in the name. Uh, what's, I'm sorry, my cat. You know Murphy's got to get involved. <laughs> you know, squirt, and my dog has got to get involved, too. Anyway, so he says, um, um, he's going to, he is, he's got his food bowl up here, so he's not happy with the, with his cat. Squirt. Anyway, so he says, um, he goes, um, but remember that the tribe of Levi is the only one that can be identified since his identity was preserved in the name of its members, such as Levi and Cohen and other derivatives. But the proverbial buck stops here because to resume temple duties, a red heifer is needed. It is important to note that the third temple, while simply called the third temple by its Jewish proponents, is also known by Yeshua's followers as the tribulation temple. The search for the red heifer has been going on for decades. The criteria for the selection of the ultimate red heifer are quite specific. The reason why a red heifer is needed is that Jewish people at the temple must present themselves in a state of ritual purity before they perform their duties. We get this from the Passover celebration in the wilderness in Numbers 9, 5 to 7. It says, They observe the Passover in the first month on the 14th day of the month at twilight of the wilderness of Sinai. According to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so the sons of Israel did. But there were some men who were unclean because of the dead persons, so that they could not observe Passover on that day. According to Judaism, there isn't, there isn't one Jewish man alive who can claim that level of purity. And since the temple no longer exists and the ashes of the red heifer are gone, it cannot yet be attained. Ritual purification continues to be mandatory for anyone within Judaism who has had contact with a dead body. The 113th commandment of the 613 found in the Torah stipulates that the ashes of a red heifer are to be used in the process of ritual purification. Numbers 19, 1-22 explains the process, which I won't go into detail. So, moving right along, it says, So the only way to be cleansed from impurity is to be washed with water mixed with the ashes of a red heifer, but not any red heifer will do. The para aduma, or the red cow, must be a young, less than three years old, red heifer with no defect, on which no yoke was ever placed. Only nine red heifers were ever found in the entire history of Israel. So it goes without saying that they are extremely rare and valuable. Much mystery surrounds the reason for using the ashes of a red heifer. Why ashes? Why a cow of a specific color? Why a sacrifice outside the temple compound? Why mixed with water? Jewish tradition records that even the very wise King Solomon didn't understand it. The red heifer is also mentioned in the New Testament in Hebrews 9, uh, verse 13 through 14, as an example of Yeshua's spotless, sinless sacrifice being greater than the ashes of the animal. So, folks, hold on to your boots. Here we go. Recently, five spotless young red heifers were flown to Israel from... I'm going to add this, the great state of Texas. So Israel from Texas. If they could, if they continue to grow spotless without defect and without even one black or white hair, they will qualify for the special sacrifice and gathering of their ashes. Time will tell, but these five are bringing a lot of hope to the temple pa people patiently awaiting the qualified candidate. So what does all this mean to us? If indeed a kosher red heifer has been located and selected. This represents the last piece of the puzzle for the next temple. Since all the implements have been recreated and the priests selected and trained, the temple can be rebuilt and the Levitical team can be purified. This validates the veracity of the Bible even further as if we needed more validation to believe that it is the infallible and errant word of God. Because unfortunately, if this is all happening in front of our eyes, and as great news as it may be for us followers of Yeshua the Messiah, it also means 
that the third temple is ready to be built. This is the temple that believers known as the tribulation temple. It is the very edifice that the coming Antichrist will desecrate as he calls himself God and forces people to worship him. This means that the tribulation is near and that great casualties will be seen in the world. Christians can rejoice about the red heifer from a biblical standpoint. But from the perspective of the eternal order, only those who have trusted Yeshua will be in God's presence. And this is no reason to rejoice when we think of all those around us who have not believed yet that the Yeshua is the Messiah. The red heifer, if qualified, will bring us one step closer to the last moments of the end times, which means that the rapture is even closer than we think, and that the need to share the good news is truly now more important than ever. Folks, we are here, and we are here for one reason. If you're breathing right now, and you are a Christian, a follower of Christ, uh, a born-again believer, uh, your purpose in life is to tell people. Our commandment is to tell people about Jesus. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. When I think of all the Jewish people, I'm heartbroken because I'm reading through Hosea. I'm absolutely heartbroken because they do not believe that Jesus Christ is their Messiah. They're still waiting. They're still waiting, and they're waiting on the Antichrist. They will believe him. He will come in his own name, and they will believe him. But Christ came, and they did not, did not believe him. And all he did, guys, it is so close. He's at the door. It's so close. I mean, we could go at any moment before I even finish this podcast. What a blessing. Spencer Smith says that a lot. What a blessing. <laughs> uh, good old brother Spencer. So, guys, man, you got to get into the Word of God. What exciting times to be reading the Word and telling people the good news. The good news. Man, Revelation is the revealing. It's not the covering up like it's too difficult. You can't understand. No, 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 no. It's the revealing. That's what it means. The apocalypse. The, check this out. Jesus is telling us it's not too difficult. Believe me. The, the, the devil wants you to think that, though, but it's not. Moving along to the Hal Lindsey Report. HalLindsey.com. This is not a drill, he says. Critic, critics of end-time Bible prophecy often say exactly what the Bible said they would say second peter chapter 3 verses 3 to 4 in the nasb says in the last days mockers will come with their mocking following after their own lust and saying where is the promise of his coming forever since the fathers fell asleep all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation wars and rumors of wars nothing new there they say famines ah they were worse in the past plagues and pandemics we had a bad one for a couple of years, but the world has had worse. Lawlessness. Humanity has always had its crooks and creeps. Deceptions. Yeah. People started lying right after they started talking. So what's new? What's the difference? He goes on to say, those samples of end time signs all come from the words of Jesus in Matthew 24. There are a lot of others, but let's look briefly at these and see what makes them different today. Wars and rumors of wars. Before each of the first two world wars, everyone saw the terrible possibilities, but almost no one really thought it would happen. They thought cooler heads would prevail, but cool heads did not prevail. Pride prevailed. Greed prevailed. Hate prevailed. It's happening again, but this time with the added threat of nuclear weapons, as before, no one believes it will really happen, but the signs are there. War threatens every part of the earth, especially Europe and Ukraine. Russia arrogance has been shattered. Their president, Vladimir Putin, is as proud and as careless with human life as Hitler or Mussolini. And right now, he's like a wounded animal with nukes. That is just one factor that has turned planet Earth into a tinderbox. Another would be severe shortages, especially of oil. This is a classic and historic cause of war. And we're on the verge of shortages not seen since the last world war. Famine. This summer, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said that the present food shortages could trigger a global catastrophe. The soaring cost of fertilizer, the war in Ukraine, drought, and many other issues have placed Earth on the brink of major famines. Maybe sooner than you think and in places you never thought famine was possible. Pandemics and plagues. The COVID, oh, sorry, <laughs> the COVID pandemic still rages and others threaten. Technology has made our generation more vulnerability to disease, 
not less. Several biological threats work on the fringes of civilization right now, many of them man-made. Also, superbugs are still on the rise, and we have no known solution to the crisis they threaten. There are other king, there are other kinds of uh, plagues as well. For instance, computer viruses carry the threat of cutting off essential water, electricity, food, and health care to entire regions. Lawlessness. Still another kind of pandemic was recently pointed out um, by scientists in, at the University of California, San Diego School of Medicine. Uh, they reported that 18% of Californians, one in six, experienced physical or sexual violence in the past year. That doesn't include theft or vandalism or fraud or any number of other crimes. This number only reflects violent crime, and it's getting worse. Principal uh, investigator Anita Raj said Californians are experiencing violence at epidemic proportions. California is just one example. The epidemic of lawlessness knows no regional or national boundaries. It is global in scope. Folks, I'm going to throw in here. I live in a relatively small city um, in, the, in, in Texas. And, um, you know, we, we've been increasing in violence as more and more and more and more. And uh, the fair always comes to town during this week. It's always the week of my birthday. And, uh, I, you know, I just knew there was going to be a shooting. For some reason, I was like, there's going to be a shooting. I just knew it. And so I get a text last night around 1130. My friend and her daughter and their family was at the fair, and she said, open fire. Some Somebody opened fire and started shooting uh, there in the crowd. They were able to escape, praise God. Uh, we have a phenomenal deputy sheriff's department and fire department. I'm telling you, they're amazing. An off-duty uh, deputy was shot, but he fired back. Several deputies fired back, and, of course, um, only one fireman, a deputy, and a bystander were all shot. They were all okay, thank God. Um, of course, the perp is, um, uh, he was taken to the hospital, I think, with um, life-threatening injuries, of course. But this is small town, small town America. It happened here. We have had more murders in in where I live than in ever before. There has been, um, there have been more, there's more gunshots than every day. I'm like, I'm like, are we turning into little Chicago or what? But it's just the sign of the times. The sign of the times. I say it all the time. Lawlessness will increase. Remember, it will wax worse and worse. It's not going to get better, folks. And we're going to move right along. He continues. He says, deception. Fake news is not new, but it has never before been possible on the scale we see today. A global media outlet is built into every new phone. This explosion of media means opportunities for mass deception like no one even dreamed of before this century. He goes on to say, these are just a few of the signs Jesus pointed out in Matthew 24. And that's just one chapter of the Bible. What's unique about today is that all the hundreds of biblical end time signs are converging and intensifying. The 1918 flu killed a higher percentage of people than COVID-19, but the modern nation of Israel did not exist in geopolitical alliances predicted in the Bible were not forming at every turn. Satanism was not exploding in popularity and influence. The 1918 pandemic was not accompanied by a rise of technology perfectly fitted to Antichrist and the mark of the beast. He goes, the signs are all coming together right now. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Take care of your business. But do not let the cares of this world distract you from him. Look up. Maranatha Jesus is coming. Amen, Brother Hal. Amen. Jesus is coming. So what else? Let me do, make sure I get all these articles because I always put some on there and then I forget. Don't read them. So let me, let me make sure I get them all here, guys. Okay, did I get that one? Let me see here. Yes, that was a red heifer. Okay, so last one, guys. There is no new revelation what Jesus would say to the new apostolic reformation. This is at theharbingersdaily.com by, by Bible Bites. So, uh, I saw Amir Sarfati. Amir Sarfati. If you don't check him out, you got to. And by Barry Stagner. I love Barry Stagner and Amir both. Um, so, Bible Bites, I guess, is like their new little uh, podcast, maybe. You guys got to check them out. Um, I do love Behold Israel. I have the app. That's uh, Amir's. So, anyway, we're going to move right on. So, Amir, if you don't know, he is in Israel. So, anyway, and he is Israeli. So, so Jesus' revelation was final. There is no new revelation. Folks, Jesus said, don't let anyone add anything to this book. If anyone will subtract or will add, let him be an anathema. Let him be accursed. Few things are more debate in the church than the subject of eschatology, the study of the last days. 
While there is room for civil debate on some subjects, we also have to recognize there are other truths that are clear and not open to debate. The Bible gives us more information about these days, including the Great Tribulation, than any other time period in human history. This includes knowledge about the church age. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-5. through This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, trucebreakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3-5 through 5. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Ezekiel 36-37 tells us of the rebirth of the nation of Israel and the Jews return to their national homeland. And Revelation 6:19 spells out the events of the Great Tribulation clearly and specifically. And I've done that study, guys. You guys can go back and listen to it. I use several different study Bibles. But anyway, back to the article. Sorry. Uh, we could cite many other examples of information given to us about the last days. But the most important aspect of them all is that they are the complete revelation of God concerning the last days. Revelation 22, 18-19 says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. In paraphrase, what the Holy Spirit is saying through John here is that, the Lord has told us all we need to know, and no new revelation about the last days will be coming. He's told us all, I mean, he says all we need to know. So, yet in spite of his ominous warning, there are those today who claim to have special revelation from God about the last days. Some have gone so far as to say that before Jesus can come back, the church has to have dominion over the seven seats of power within the world system. Then, and only then, can he return. This is adding to what the Lord has told us will happen before he returns. There are also others who have sought to allegorize all or some of the book of Revelation, denying the literal prophetic message of the book. They instead make it into a series of spiritual life lessons. This is taken away from the words of the book of the prophecy, and the consequences for adding to or taking away from the book of Revelation are dire. Luke 17, 22-30 says, And he said unto the disciples, The days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. And they shall say to you, See here, or see there, go not after them, nor follow them. For as the lightning that lighteth out of the one part of under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first must he suffer many things, and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married. Oh, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they rebuilded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. There is a group known today as the New, Apost New Apostolic Revelation who claim to have special revelation from God. They teach dominion theology, which is the belief that the church must have dominion over education, religion, family, business, government, military, arts, entertainment, and media before Jesus can return. This is a direct contradiction of the book of Revelation and Jesus' own words in Luke 17. The counsel of the Lord when such things is do not go after them or follow them. Luke 6, 4, 6 says, or Luke 6, 46 says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? The Bible has more to say about the days in which we live than any other time period in history. What we need to know we already have. 
and there are no additions forthcoming to the last day scenario. There are no new apostles like the original 12, and things will get progressively worse, not better, in the last days. Things will happen until it becomes so bad the righteous are few in comparison to the unrighteous of the world, just as it was in the days of Noah. If we were able to ask Jesus face-to-face -face today, what would he say about the new episodic reformation and those who allegorize the book of Revelation? He would answer, do not go after them or follow them. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Folks, I'm telling you what, these days, <laughs> we are living in the end days. And if you are not a believer listening to this podcast, I pray that you will Look around, see everything happening, just as the Bible said it would happen, and question, like, what could be happening? What is going on? Find you a, a if you don't have a good Christian friend, you don't have a good Christian church where you go to, man, go to Jack Hibbs, go to Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, you know, go to their website, go anywhere. Folks, there are pastors out there that will talk to you. Pastor Barry Stagner, um, so many, so many of them, um, there's many of them out there. My website, whatever. But if you if 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 you're wanting to know for yourself, if you're kind of like me, like I'm going to get you an apologetics Bible. Find you an apologetics Bible. Um, man, I'm trying to think. There's uh, father and son, and I cannot think of their names right now. Uh, oh my goodness, maybe it'll come to me, but I cannot think. Anyway, um, the Holman Christian Standard Bible. You're not going to be able to find that in print because it's not. It's the CSB now, which is liberal. I don't, I, I don't know, but you can go to eBay and you can get an HCSB, Home and Christian Standard Bible. Get that. Please get that. If not, get a John MacArthur study Bible. Get a John MacArthur study Bible and, and study that because, I mean, he is a trusted pastor. Now, we kind of don't agree with a lot. I'm not a Calvinist. He's not a full-blown Calvinist either. So, you know, the predestination thing I don't believe in. Um, people say, well, you know, God predestined these people to go to hell and these people to go to heaven. I don't believe that. Um, I don't believe that. But God can do whatever he wants to do. Trust me. He can, whatever he wants to do, he can do it. But I don't think his word really teaches that. Now, because they say that because he knows. Well, of course he knows what decision we're going to make. We're, he's God. You know, so like, you know, he's like, I made Heather, but I've given Heather free will. But do I know what Heather's going to choose? Yes, because he's God. He knows. But he gave me that free will. You see what I'm saying? But he knows what I'm going to choose, but that doesn't mean... I don't think, I don't see that as he predestined me, Heather's going to go to hell. But I'm going to give her free will so she can choose to go to hell. See, that doesn't work that way. I don't think it doesn't make sense like that, you see. So I think, you know, he gave us free will, but he knows what we're going to choose. I mean, he just knows that. But anyway, besides, besides that's not here nor there. John MacArthur is a very great um, expository preacher, teacher. Um, he's got great study Bibles. He's got great books. Um, I have a YouTube channel. <laughs> the one that gets hit the most is the video that I did way back when on John MacArthur because they said he was making, he was like this million dollar life. So I'm like, oh Lord, he lives in Southern California. He's preached at the same church for 65 years or 60 years. He's got numerous books that he's wrote to help. I mean, just amazing, right? He's, they've got the masters, uh, all kinds of stuff, right? So, but I mean, that's not here nor there, but I catch so much flack from that one video. But anyway, um, you know, you think that Cat Kerr would have caught more. That You guys, I'm going to tell you, if you listen to Cat Kerr, Kenneth Copeland, or whatever, go wash your eyes out and and just, you know, get your, get your Bible to wash your mind out because that is nothing but blasphemy. Blasphemy, heretics, beyond uh, insane. Don't listen to that garbage. Anyway, she is, anyway, pray the Lord saves her. Um, pray she repents. But anyway, when we get off here, guys, just wanted to give you guys some updates, some headlines. I wanted to do one yesterday, but I was exhausted, so <laughs> didn't get around to that. But today, I hope I kind of made it for it today. Anyway, um, so as always, get in the Word of God. Let the Word of God get into you because you need the Word. You need the Word to, gosh, wash your brain with because they're trying to brainwash us out here in this in this world. So we got to read the Word of God to cleanse that, right? stuff that you see in the world that you don't even necessarily want to see. It's just like there, like in your face. You know, you can, uh, you know what I mean? So you got to read the Word of God. Read the Word. Get you some books. Get you some good Christian books. There's some great Christian fiction books out there. Carrie Blackstock, I really like her. 
Um, so there's a lot of good stuff that you can read and do that doesn't involve the world. But remember what Jesus said. He goes, they hated me, they're going to hate you too. He goes, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. Remember that. We're here, but we're not. this is not our home. We are traveling through. John 14 tells us that. He told us. He goes, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He goes, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And the way you know. Always remember that. That is our hope. Of course, you know, 1 Corinthians, I think it's 15, 53 or 52, 53. The twinkling of an eye, folks. The twinkling of an eye. Thessalonians chapter 4. Woo, he's coming to take us home. Anyway, guys, I gotta get, you got to get excited. We've got to get excited. We have to stay focused on God, not this world. Don't focus on this world. A lot of bad stuff is going to be happening. We look around at all the shots and the jabs and the people that are, you know, oh, man, the horrific. But I'm going to tell you something. If you took the jab, it's not the mark of the beast. Don't even think that. It's not the mark of the beast. But I will tell you that Jesus Christ can cleanse you from anything, okay? If you're worried about health effects or like whatever, don't worry about that. Put it in the Lord Jesus' hands and say, you know, ask him to heal you and get do some research. Check out some stuff on what you can do. I was, a, friend, a friend of mine gave me uh, some information on Dana Ashley, A-S-H-L-I-E. She is on YouTube. She hasn't posted in a while, but she is on Telegram. But she's got some pretty good stuff on there, too. A little bit far out there. You know, I'm not quite that far out. But there's some pretty good information on stuff, which is kind of cool. It's always nice to know. Um. You know, of course, you know, when I was a kid, if you'd have told us all the stuff that would be going on right now, I uh, would have been like, no way that would ever happen. That's too sci-fi, but it's happening. So, anyway, guys, I always, it's like a text, and when we say goodbye, we got to say goodbye three or four times. That's just how we do stuff around here. So, I'm really going to get off of here now. All right, guys, Maranatha, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. Thank you guys so much for listening. I so much appreciate you guys, and I sure hope that somehow this has given somebody hope and encouragement in the Lord is bringing glory to God. That's all I wanted to do is just bring glory to God and just keep you guys encouraged. And not only encouraged, but aware of what is going on in the world. God told us what was going to happen to prepare us, not to scare us, as J. Markell says. So, I mean, I'm, I, I just feel that I've been called to be a watchman on the wall and I just want to do whatever the Lord has for me to do. So, anyway, my prayer is that Dear Heavenly Father, during these dark days that you told us would, would be here, right before you return to come and, and snatch us out of here, which is the rapture. That's what the Bible says, to snatch us away. Father God, I just ask, Lord, that you would continue just to give us boldness, to give us a fresh new refilling of your Holy Spirit, just to keep us in your word, to keep us focused on you and not on the world and not on our situations. And that when things come upon us, when the fiery darts hit us and, and doubt and anger and frustration and fear and whatever else that Satan wants to throw at us, that we would take those thoughts captive and that we would turn them over to you, Lord Jesus, no matter what is happening in our life, that we don't need to to worry about that. We don't, you know, we don't need to focus on that. We need to take that, whatever that is, and turn that into a prayer to you, Father God. That's what we need to focus on as your children. And Father God, we know that you you hold us in your hands. We know that you have every single tear we've ever cried in a bottle. And you know how many hairs are on our head. Father God, we trust you. We love you. We glorify you and we praise you. And we thank you for all you've done for us. And I just want to 